Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Hallelujah. God is good. He is amazing. So forgiving, so graceful. And I love the songs this morning, by the way, how the spirit works, how the, the echoes of what God is trying to say to us today. He's the name above all names. We keep singing praises to him. We want to follow and follow Jesus more than follow the world. And I, I, I don't deserve to be standing here today. I don't... Um, 11 years we've been married, 11 years, 3 months and 18 days now. I'm not counting. Did you, did you know that? Did you know that? No. We've been that, married that long now. Uh, but f- 4 or 5 months into the, our marriage, I started having doubts about the Lord. I started doubting Him. Whether He really existed, whether Jesus really died on the cross. Did He? Did He not? And at the time he came, when I first sort of said the prayer, if you like, it was like a word prayer from the lips, but it wasn't from the heart. But four months into our marriage, uh, there was temptation at work with atheist books and people presenting atheist views of, of life. And I thought I'd got it wrong. I thought I'd been misled. And for several weeks and even months, I think I struggled with this. I was really battling with these books and atheist books and, and, and faith. And it was a struggle for Lily. And little did I know that she was suffering inside. Because on the outside, she was this graceful woman. But on the inside, she was breaking. And little did I know that she was fasting and praying nearly every day while I was going through this moment. Then God took her to Columbia for five weeks And I thought, good opportunity to disprove the Bible. I'll be the first man, you know, I'm going to disprove the Bible. When Lily comes back, I'll have my mind sorted. I know which direction I'm going to go in. And we'll go separate ways. That's what I thought. But boy, did I not know the power of God. The power of prayer. Because the first night in, when I went to my room, there was a pile of atheist books and then the Bible... I don't know what happened, but I was touched by God. For three, four hours, I don't know what happened. I was blinded. I had visions. I was sweating. I was shaking. And I heard the word, the voice of Jesus in my room. I've taken her away for five weeks for you to get to know me. He showed me mercy that night. I was touched by the Holy Spirit. How many more people need an encounter with God to fulfill their destiny? But it wasn't for me that night. He loves her so much. He did it for you. He loves you so much that he did it for you. He showed me mercy, but his love for Lily, the bride, was so huge. She had sacrificed so much for the Lord and says, Lord, give me a husband who will follow you and love you more than love me. And I wasn't that husband. But God promised her and gave her that. So thank you. Thank you. 
the power of prayer. People need an encounter with the Lord. I wasn't going to start with this. Who needs a touch from the Holy Spirit today? Be ready. Because this fire has been burning for a while. And the other night we were rolling around in the Holy Spirit. The other night he was touching us big time. He wants to talk to people today. And what is, um, I brought something with me today. I don't know, can you see this? On this table. This is dust, don't worry. It's, it's not anybody's ashes. But it could be. It could be. This is where it all started for us, people. This is where we started from. God is God. He's unchanging. And one thing never unchanged is this. We came from that. Who are we to tell God who he should be like and what he should be doing to our lives? Who am I to tell God? He came to me in a supernatural way in that room that night. and says, you're just this. I'm God. Listen to my word. Do not listen to the voice of the world no longer. Listen to my word and my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. And that brings me into Genesis chapter 2. And that's where we're going to start from this morning. Genesis chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And we're going to read from verse 4 to 9 first. Genesis chapter 2. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. And no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in in Eden. There he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now just moving to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Isn't that amazing? That God already gave responsibility to Adam in naming animals and livestock and birds. Incredible. Responsibility given to Adam to show dominion. He says, your dominion, come on, start giving it names. You know, tiger and horse and, oh, hippopotamus. Where did that one come from? You know, Adam was giving all these names to these creatures. Verse 20, so the man gave names to all the livestock, 
the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. God really trusted him to give some good names, didn't he, for the animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Ribs also could mean, in the translation, mean the side of the man, a part of the side of the man. Verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, the side. He had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Again, the Lord presented Adam with this free gift of a woman. And God named her. He didn't name her her indoors or trouble and strife or high maintenance. He called her woman. He called her a good name. Can you imagine God giving the responsibility to a woman to name a man? Some of the names, can you imagine? What would you call them? <laughs> Dear. Not very good around the house kind of things. like that. Unless you're Merrick, of course. Mr. DIY. Verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord, spoken from the voice of the word of God. Jesus, Father God, we thank you for what you have spoken to us this morning, Lord. We thank you for your presence We pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to touch us this morning, God. Jesus. Speak to your people, Lord. Speak to me. Speak through me, God. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Lord, to become the people that you created us to be, Father. Form us, Lord, into more into your image, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The Spirit of God is here. We need to get this. We are just dust, okay? We've formed from the ground. God is God. He's unchanging. His word is unchanging. Now, people have discussed with me over the years, there's a different God of the Old Testament to the New Testament. Have you heard that where the God of the Old Testament is blood and thirsty God, this righteous, angry God. But in the New Testament, you've got Jesus, all nice and sweet and peaceful and compassionate. And... And in my early days, I thought that was a struggle. There was this contrast of personalities, if you like. And that's what people kept saying to me. But the more I looked into it, I said, I've, I've got to make sense of this. Jesus in the New Testament, you know, in John 2, when he's clearing the temple, he's not peace and compassionate then. He's kicking the tables over. He's, he's making a mess. Get out of my dad's temple. Get out of my father's house. He's tipping it over. He's made a whip of cords. Suddenly, Jesus has got this authority and, and righteous anger about him. And then he accuses his opponent, opponents of being children of the devil in John eight forty four, Strong words from Jesus. Not the compassionate, peaceful God. Luke thirteen forty nine. Jesus says, I'm going to bring fire on the earth. A sword to bring division. It's different. And Revelation 3, when he's talking to the churches. He's talking to the churches here. And he says to a church that particularly, you're not either hot or cold, you're lukewarm about me. I will spit you out. Another translation in the real word is vomit. Jesus saying this word? 
Is this a, a peaceful, compassionate God? This is Jesus with authority. He's unchanging. And the God of the Old Testament too. He had so many instances of compassion and love and provision. The widow's oil miraculously multiplied to provide for her and her children. So many instances of women, barren women having children. Hannah, Rachel, Sarah, so many other women. God is a compassionate God. He's a saving God. And cities in the Old Testament too who are crying out for repentance, God spared. He sent Jonah to Nineveh to condemn it. To say, this is what God's going to do to your city. But they repented. They heard the word of the God. They, they all repented. And God spared them. He's a saving God. And that's the theme right through the Bible. So we need to remember that God is unchanging. He is still all forgiving. But he's God with authority. He's a God of authority. We have to take his word seriously. And God too is a romantic God. When he formed Adam and Eve in the garden, he made a marriage in the garden. He's a romantic God. And this is the theme of the Bible right through from beginning to end. Actually, a marriage, a union. The man, the woman, the groom, the bride, Christ and his bride, the church. It's throughout. And through the Bible, the mystery of the bride is revealed. If we study and listen to his voice and get into it more and more. We understand it. And recently we've been blessed with David Jones speaking to us. Who was here when he spoke about the, the, the coming of the bride. Wonderful sermons about the coming of the bride. Of, of the church being ready for Christ. You know, we, we want to treat the bride well. The, the church is what Jesus is coming back for. And we want it to be ready. On your wedding day, you know, the, the, the bride is well trimmed and looked after. She's looking great. We've got to treat the church the same way and present it to Jesus. Pure and spotless. So in the garden, when he formed them, it said that the Lord God made a woman from the side of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And what is interesting is Adam and his wife were both naked. They felt no shame. There was no shame. There was no shame. It was beautiful. It was purity. There was no, nothing hidden. There was no seediness about it. It was pure and beautiful. It was, so they're before God, open before God. There's no secrets before the Lord. Everything God does is pure and holy and perfect. He's great. He's a good God. The intimacy of a man and a woman behind the closed doors of a marriage is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's what God intended it to be. The Song of Songs is a, is a picture of a man and a woman meeting and being joined by God. Exploring one another with detail and love and intimacy and purity. What's happened? There's always a sense of a schoolboy-girl attitude about intimacy and sex. Isn't there? It's been there I know. But they were naked. They had no shame. Because sin entered the world. Man was disobedient. We know the story in chapter 3. Adam and Eve were deceived by the, by the serpent. I know Eve was the one. But 
they're both together, they're joined together, they're both responsible, they both disobeyed God. Describes Satan tempting the man, deceiving Eve, and eating from the tree that God forbidden. Man decided to choose not to listen to God and made his own decision to do what he wanted to do. In verse 17, he says, If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's quite a stark warning. <laughs> you know, you're going to put that on your fridge. And <laughs> Adam should have put that on his fridge and remembered it. But he forgot it. Why are our minds like this? I, I had this discussion sometimes with people, and I'm thinking, I really must remember this Bible verse or this one and, and every day pray with it. But I wake up and I forget it. You know, our minds, are, we need, that's why we need to keep reiterating the word, keep coming together to meet, to keep building our faith. Faith comes through hearing the word of God. Not hearing the lies of the enemy in the world, but hearing the word of God. This is what we need to, to keep digesting into our, into our spirit. We need to keep listening to the word of God. The devil is continuing to lie to people. Jesus said he's the father of lies. You'll not amount to much. You won't do much. You're this, you're fat, you're thin, you're ugly. You're, you, you, all these lies of the enemy. And we're listening too much to the enemy, the world, and not listening to what God wants to say for us. The simplicity of God's word is being pushed further and further aside in society. And we're becoming obsessed with media and TV and listen to the rubbish that's propelled through there. And the, the enemy's using that media a lot. You know, when you're growing up, your hormones are all going crazy, aren't they? You know, you, you've got all these thoughts coming into your mind. And, and I come from a, a non-Christian background, my, not religious in any way really at all. And I, and I had no one to go to. I was I'd making my own journey in my own head as I was going along and the influences around me but now looking back oh, if I was to grow up now wow there's so much available to hand immediately you know 30 years ago <laughs> I'm giving my age away now it it, the, it wasn't that accessible some of the stuff that people can just tap onto immediately now it's dangerous so dangerous. What is happening? And as my brain was confused and I was going, what am I? Why do I think these thoughts about this person or this person? What is going in my mind? You know, and we have to make our judgment on what we know and what we see around us. But unfortunately, our influences tell you who you are. And we don't know, listen to the word of God. But God says you're something different. But deep down inside of me still, there was this romantic notion. There was this idea of romance or purity of sorts. You know, it was there. And, it was, and there's this tussle going on of seediness and purity. A real struggle. What it is, we've inherited Adam. But God wants us to walk in his holiness with Christ. So between the two of Adam and Christ, there's this struggle, the tension. God's way is best. God's way is the best. Think about it. There'd be no abortions, no adultery, no pornography, no sex trafficking, no disease. 
God's way is best. God's ways are best. And currently, of course, there's this big thing in the media about same-sex marriages. And this kind of thing going on a lot. And recently in the, there was a council taking a vote about same-sex services in a, another religious circle. And I noticed, quickly caught the glimpse of that, and I saw outside the protesters and all the campaigners with the flags, the rainbow flag, which is also actually a sign of, of God's covenant with the world, not to flood the world anymore. And on that flag was, proud to be gay, now make me proud to be a Christian. And I thought about that. I thought, that's just that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Because when you become a Christian of Christ, you've died to self. You've put to death all the stuff that you did then. And you've now become a Christian. Your identity is as a Christian. You put to death your old self and you become a new creature in the image of Christ. You follow him. I'll follow you. I'll follow you. We sang this morning. And you do not continually, knowingly go back into it and be proud of it. Proud to be a thief. Now, mate, proud to be a Christian. You know, whatever it may have been. You're not proud. I'm getting rid of my old self. I'm becoming a new person in Christ. And when you get God, that he brought a man and a woman in intimacy. It's pure. It's beautiful. Come on, I know you ladies. You like romance. I know it. You know it. I've got some lipstick and nail varnish on me today. I leave the church every week with foundation on my shirt, everything. Stop hugging me, ladies. <laughs> you like romance. You like it. Because you submit to a godly man who loves Christ above everything else. And on that wedding day, you know you are safe. You are safe in a godly man's arms for the rest of your life. That's what God is. He's a romantic. You're pure. You're spotless. And intimacy between the two of you behind closed doors is a beautiful thing. And men too, to, to, to walk up that aisle with a beautiful bride who's God's got for you. She's a treasure. It's a gift. And when I look at Lily, what she went through in those early days for me, she's a gift from God. And I will honor her because I know that she's a precious child of God and God loves her much more than I love her. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus, this is what God wanted. But it's corrupted. We're not here to judge. We're just here to speak the truth. When Jesus spoke to the woman caught in adultery... And they are ready to condemn her. And rightly so, according to the law. Jesus says, well, whoever is not committing no sin, throw the first stone. And they all left one by one. Left her alone. Jesus said to her, where are they? They've all gone, she says. Jesus says, you are forgiven. Can you imagine the, her heart leaping at that point when she, Jesus says, you are forgiven. But the next line is the most important one. Do not return to the sin. Do not return to Adam 
the death. Follow me. Do not return. Jesus said. You know, when Adam had his operation of lying on the ground and, and the rib being taken out the side of Adam being undone. And as he woke up, he must have had a surprise seeing a lady sitting there. Whoa, whoa, who are you? <laughs> Woman, you know. Must have been a. So, what happened here? Adam had his side opened up, revealing flesh and bone, fluid from his side. Next moment he woke up, there was his bride. A beautiful bride given by God. Quite an image, put it to the cross as Jesus hanging on the cross. We read in John 19, 33 to 35, of the moment when Jesus hanging on the cross and his side was pierced. The soldiers went to break all the legs of Jesus and the two soldiers either side to speed up the death of crucifixion. And... Um, they broke the legs of the first one. They came to Jesus, but he'd already died a supernatural death. They didn't have to break his legs. He'd already died supernaturally. Because when you're on a cross, you have to keep leaning up to get that last bit of air. But as the legs are broken, it's, it's game over, <laughs> if you like. But Jesus already died a supernatural death. Supernatural sleep, if you like. But then what happened in 33? Verse 33. When they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. So the spear goes in to the side of Jesus, and suddenly water and blood is flowing from the side of Jesus. The water, that signifies purification and, and um, living water. Of the Holy Spirit. Come to me, says Jesus. Now I will give you water that will never run dry. And the blood pouring from his side purifies and washes all our sins away. The birth of the church from the side of Jesus. His bride from the side of Jesus. A supernatural sleep, like Adam asleep. From his side became his bride. From the side of Jesus, in his supernatural sleep, came the bride of Jesus, the church. Amazing. Amazing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, men, we're just dust, aren't we? Man was formed out of dust. But something special about a bride, she was constructed. She was built. And I'm glad about that, men. You know, is it is a very the image of what God I think is teaching us here is that the bride is a unique being. God favors women so highly. There are some great leaders in women here, wonderful leaders of women here. God favors women so much. We are blessed to have women of God in this house that God loves dearly and will use for the glory of His kingdom. So we need to walk with Christ more than walk as Adam. Because walking with Adam leads to death. 
Genesis 2.17, as we read, to eat from the tree, you will certainly die. And in Genesis 3.19, after the fall, as a result of Adam's disobedience, the Lord says, from dust you came, from dust you will return. To walk in Adam is to die. But to walk with Christ is to go into glory, to glory, to glory. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so pleased for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. From dust to glory. Who deserves it? Hallelujah. And after the sin, in, in chapter 3, God came looking for them. In Genesis 3, 8 to 9, God was looking for Adam and Eve in the garden, but they'd already now disobeyed God. And the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. And they hid from the Lord God. They hid among the trees. But the Lord God said to the man, where are you? Where are you? God is calling to people today. Where are you? Stop hiding. Come out from that tree. Be honest with me. What have you done? He wants us to be honest and truthful. He wants us to cry before him. Offloading everything to him as a father wants. I'm sorry, Father. Forgive me, Lord. He wants us to communicate from him. Stop hiding. Because if we keep hiding, we'll build a veneer up. We'll build this thing up all the time. That prevents us from going to the Father. It will. We need to come before him, close the door in our room, go before him quietly. He'll see your repentant heart. Smash the veneer off what you're trying to cover up. Come before him clean and openly. The Father wants you. He wants you so much to do that. People are going to be released today from that. We need to come before him. We need to... Be honest before God. Stop hiding behind the tree. You know, the enemy still continues to confuse people. You know, I'm a good person. I'll go to heaven. You know. Well, you're a good person. You're good dust. You're good dust. You know. I've looked after my family. Well, I'm a, I've not hurt anyone. Well done. You're, you've not hurt anyone dust. That's all you are. You're good dust. But God loves me as I am. He made me this way. We heard that one before. Yes, he, he made you. But the minute we're born, we are available to everything around us, spiritually as well as what we see and do. And all the influence start hitting us immediately. And as you're developing, you're receiving in your brain signals, all this kind of, I'm not a scientist, I don't understand ologies and things, but you're receiving all this stuff and it's confusing you. Then you start listening to the eyes of the enemies. Well, you're this. You should be liking boys instead of girls. You should be liking girls. It's, it's all confusion. I know. You're still dust. And God loves you too much to leave you as dust. He loves you too much. For whilst we were still sinners, God loved us. How much more will he love you when you take that step into Christ? Glory to glory to glory. Hallelujah. We need to yield to him. As I said at the beginning, he is God. We're just that. We need to yield. 
And when he touched me that night with his Holy Spirit, a moment on, you know when you've been touched by the Holy Spirit. There are people who think, oh, I think I was touched by God. You think, you'll know when God's touched you. You know when he's touched you. You write it in your book, it's marked forever in your mind. You can't, you can't ignore the power of God when he comes and touches you. That night in my room when he touched me, Jesus touched me. There was no doubt about it. Oh, I think he touched me. No, you'll know when God's touched you. We need to be hungry to yield to him. Thank you for praying for me. (laughs) You know, when we yield to God, we get to know him. We don't make God up in our mind to suit our lifestyle. We change our lifestyle to suit him. Amen? We don't make God up in our mind to suit our lifestyle. Well, God's like this. He'll like this in my lifestyle. No. We change our lifestyle to suit God. We become what he wants us to become. Hallelujah. I love it. He set me free from so much rubbish. The lies of the world. Beautiful God. And I just want to thank you, church, that I can come here on a Sunday morning and praise and worship our Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, with all you beautiful people. You're my brothers and sisters, and I love you all so much. And there are people here today I just want to pray for and just and bless, and that the Holy Spirit fills you, and you live a life fulfilled of what God's want you to be today. And as I said in the beginning, I didn't deserve such grace to be here today. And when you sow in tears with God, you will reap songs of joy. Lily sowed in tears for me. And now she can't stop singing because she's got an amazing husband. So praise God. And a humble husband. And when God touches you and you want to walk with Christ, how do you walk with Christ and put to death more of Adam? Well, one way I've learned is you worship God. You keep praising Him and singing Him. You keep singing wherever you go. You just, he's on your lips constantly. He's forever just on your lips and your lifestyle. It becomes your lifestyle. I'm singing in the sauna at the gym and people are saying, what are you singing? Are you a Christian? God is touching people when you, when you praise and worship Him. And I love King David. You know that. There's a song about King David. I think I've heard. I've heard of it. And I love his worship. In Psalm 63, 1 to 5. Have we got that? Psalm 63, 1 to 5. This is how we've got to be. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. And my God, I have. (laughs) And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, we can lift up our hands and not be authentic and thinking about programs or whatever we want to be thinking. But when we lift our hands to God, of all truth, barriers are broken. And God sees the surrender of your hearts. And it's like a surrender to him. I will continue to praise God every day and I will sing and worship like King David like never before. I am dancing my way into heaven. Hallelujah. 
And some of you know my dancing is the best dancing <laughs> in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't dance for the world. I dance for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I first got King David, I tell you, it was the best day of my life. It's a breakthrough. And I didn't know the King David story at the time. When in Colombia, they were all worshipping. I mean, I would love it now if, if we had some music and people just started moving all the chairs to the side and started worshipping and dancing before the Lord, if it was authentic, of course. And in Colombia, they did that. And I, thought, I was over here with my English friend thinking, they are just weird. I'm not going over there at all. They are over the top. But my sister-in-law, she grabbed me into the middle and she says, vamos, dance, Steve. And there I was, dancing like a robot. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell. I was on my knees. And I heard the voice of God, you're dancing for me? You're dancing for me? And I just kicked off my sandals. And I started the party, let alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is good. You know, people worship teams and they raise their hands at football stadiums. Why can't we raise our hands to Christ? The Savior of the world who's, who's stopped us returning back to dust. He is good. He is good. Hallelujah. So to walk with Christ is to walk continually praising his name. Just worshiping him. We, we can't make it more difficult than that really. If we're worshipping and doing what King David did there, pursuing him, glorifying him, pursuing him, it, it changes everything anyway naturally because we're desiring him. He'll open the doors. It releases the keys to heaven. When we worship God like King David, keys from heaven are given to us and we open up doors that we never imagined before. Forget the worries of the world. Just pursue God. As we pursue God and worship him, the devil flees. Depression goes. Stress goes. And what's glorious about this story from beginning to end. We read in Genesis 2 that the Lord God, Genesis 2 verse 9. He said the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were two trees pointed out. Two trees. Adam could have eaten of that other tree. But he chose not to. He was deceived into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He had a choice. So as a result of their disobedience, a man's disobedience, in Genesis 3.20... Twenty-two, 3.22, it says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us after eating from that tree. Knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life. So God is now saying, right, he's not allowed to eat from that tree of life anymore. And, and know and have eternal life. So the Lord God banished him from the garden to work the ground 
He drove the man out. He placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of life that gives eternal life. You will never get close to it now. You will never get close to it now. God cannot have sinful man, knowing good and evil, eat from the tree of life and live forever. To live forever, we need to be pure. To live forever, we need to be a man of God's heart. Pure in heart will see the kingdom of God. Only the pure in heart will see the kingdom of God. And as we fast forward to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, Jesus says these glorious words in Revelation 2.7 to one of the churches, describing what he wants from his bride. And Jesus sums up in two, Revelation 2, verse 7. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So if we overcome, if we become overcomers, Jesus will now permit us to eat from the tree of life, to live forever. Glorious news. Glorious. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 22 Verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, says Jesus, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and go through the gates of the city into the new Jerusalem, into glory, from dust to glory. Which tree do you want? Do you want to continue to walk in Adam? Or do you want to walk in Christ? From dust you came, from dust you will return. But in Christ you'll live forever. He forgave me. Let's not forget what God's done in your life, where he's brought you from. He is calling on people to become soldiers for him. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.